And it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live here at Joy620, or you're listening to the podcast over at investinghope.com, Podbeam, Google Play, iTunes, wherever podcasts are found. We are grateful that you are listening and partnering with us. A lot of lots to talk about today, a lot of things happening around the country, around the world when it comes to life and abortion. Uh, I, you know, it was, it was strange. I, I had a dream last night. I Sometimes my dreams are like vivid. Sometimes they, they don't make any sense. Uh, but man, I, I didn't, you know, sometimes you're like, Oh, did I eat something too late? And that kind of made me, uh, go a little wonky in my dreams or did I drink coffee too late? Or I didn't do any of that last night, but my goodness, my dreams were insane. I had one dream that I was, uh, sitting down with Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Weird, huh? Uh, we were talking about abortion and life. Uh, yeah, I don't have any plans of having her on the show, but we were talking about it. Then it kind of shifted, and I was in the living room of my grandmama's house talking to my family members that are pro-choice about life and abortion. And I just thought, man, this is very odd. And it was very odd and still very odd thinking about it. Um, and so today we're going to talk about life and abortion. We're going to talk about things that are going on around the country and around the world when it comes to uh, this issue that – uh, in, in my opinion, is the social justice issue of the day of my generation, of generations before me and of generations uh, coming after me. Uh, there, it's just it's something that we need to be thinking about. We need to be talking about this. The most vulnerable population in the world is are, are those that are growing in the womb. Uh, there's no more vulnerable population. Uh, they don't have a platform. They don't have a voice. They're truly helpless. And we need to stand for them. Because uh, no one else uh, is. And so that's why we do this show. That's why we do our work at Hope Resource Center. Uh, that's why we do the things that we do. And so I want to start today with uh, with some news that that's interesting. We kind of see this trend uh, each year, uh, each legislative sle- session across the country. You know, state legislatures are, are making decisions and uh, and a lot of states are conservative. And so what you're seeing is because a lot of those states are conservative, they have a, a conservative House, Senate, governor, they're passing laws that are restricting abortion. And according to a new report from uh, Guttmacher Institute, which is a pro-abortion uh, organization, more abortion restrictions have been enacted in 2021 than any other year since Roe v. Wade legalized abortion in the U.S. in 1973. 90 abortion restrictions have been put in place in 2021, surpassing the previous record of 89 back in 2011. Now, polling shows that while most Americans support the idea of keeping abortion legal, they also believe it should be heavily restricted. Uh, of course, we've seen this while the abortion industry has claimed that 7 in 10 Americans support legal abortion. Polling has consistently found that while Americans want abortion to remain legal, they also want it heavily restricted. Almost 70% of people won't abortion limited to the first trimester. Common sense restrictions like parental consent, waiting periods, and informed consent before undergoing an abortion also receive widespread support. Just 7% of Americans support completely unrestricted taxpayer-funded abortion. Now, if you watch cable news, if you paid attention to Twitter or other social media outlets, you would think the bulk of the country wants abortion on demand at any time, and they want you to pay for it. That's just not reality. It's not reality in any shape, form, or fashion. And we've seen that poll after poll after poll after poll. It doesn't matter if the poll is is conducted by Christians or conservatives or if it's conducted by atheists or non-Christians. The polls are are constantly and consistently laying out that that the American people 
want to see some restrictions. Oklahoma and Texas each passed a quote-unquote trigger law that will ban abortion only in the event that Roe v. Wade uh, is overturned. And, and we've seen that in the state of Tennessee as well. We have a, a trigger ban put in place. We did that a couple years ago. So that's in place here in, in our state as well. In 2021, Arkansas and Oklahoma each banned abortion unless a woman's life is at risk. The Arkansas Unborn Child Protection Act will allow only abortions deemed necessary to save the mother's life. Likewise, Oklahoma passed a bill which classifies abortion as, quote, unprofessional conduct and states that doctors committing abortions that are not considered medically necessary will lose their medical licenses for at least one year. The truth is that if a woman's life is directly and immediately threatened by a pregnancy complication, killing her child is not what will save her life. That's the reality. A pregnancy does not have to be ended by abortion, which is the direct and intentional uh, ending of a life of a preborn child. Delivering her child prematurely is safer and faster option, especially later in pregnancy. Preterm emergency C-sections, preterm deliveries are not abortions. They offer the opportunity for doctors to save both lives. Four states, Idaho, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Texas, passed laws in 2021 to restrict abortion to the first six weeks of pregnancy before a heartbeat is detected. Idaho and South Carolina made exceptions for medical emergencies, though as stated, abortion is never medically necessary. And for babies conceived in rape or incest, they also put a uh, exception in there. South Carolina also included an exception in this case, in the case of fetal diagnosis. These exceptions send the message that all human embryos with heartbeats are human beings worthy of protection unless they are conceived in tragic circumstances, have a health condition, or their mother's lives are at risk. That's why when I say I want to see legislation passed, I, I don't really want the exceptions. It's the same argument when people say, hey, I'm pro-life because Tim Tebow's mom was told to abort and look how great he is. Well, that's all well and good and, and he is great. But Tim Tebow is just as valuable as the kid that's in state's custody. It's just as valuable as the kid that, that may be in a wheelchair or that has Down syndrome or that has some other abnormality. The, the reality is they all bear the image of God. And if we believe that to be so, then the exceptions are saying that still some lives have more value than others. And we don't believe that. Oklahoma's law, as well as the law in Texas, includes no exception uh, while abortion advocates have called this cruel, abortion after rape creates another innocent victim, does nothing to help the mother heal. And so we know that. And then Montana enacted a law that restricts abortion to the first 20 weeks of pregnancy, ensuring that children who are old enough to survive outside of the womb are not uh, do not see their heartbeats end in abortion. The Montana Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act states that preborn children can feel pain at 20 weeks. And we know that. And so they enacted a law to say that. South Dakota enacted a law restricting abortion based on prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome. Arizona's Senate Bill 1457 bans abortion in cases of any genetic health condition diagnosed prenatally, including Down syndrome. It amends a previous law that restricted abortions due to the sex or race of the baby. Seven states enacted laws restricting the use of the abortion pill in 2021, most focused on prohibiting abortionists from prescribing the abortion pill without seeing the patient first. Arizona passed a law saying that, that they prohibit abortionists from mailing the abortion pill to women. Likewise, Ohio, Ohio did the same uh, by saying that they uh, abortionists cannot use telemedicine to dispense the abortion pill to women. 
Uh, Arkansas requires abortionists to do an in-person exam of the mother, including finding out her blood type before the abortion pill is dispensed to her as was previously required under FDA rules prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Oklahoma's Senate bill uh, requires a qualified physician to examine a woman in person prior to the prescribing the abortion pill. Montana passed a similar law, and this and the info goes on and on and on. And then you had 16 U.S. cities have become sanctuary cities for the unborn since January, bringing the total number to 33. In Texas, the latest sanctuary cities are Grapeland, Goldsmith, Carbon, Gorman, Murchison, Latexo, Lubbock, Abernathy, Poynor, Leveland, Sundown, Sterling City, and Centerville. We've seen some cities in Nebraska as well. Laws requiring care for abortion survivors. Multiple states also pass laws protecting babies who survive abortions. These laws require abortionists to provide adequate medical care to any child who is born alive during an abortion. Alabama, Montana, Kentucky, South Dakota, Wyoming each pass laws that would ensure that the abortion survivors receive medical care. While the abortion industry claims abortion survivors do not exist, statistics from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention and other records show that it does happen. Some states also pass laws that would directly punish abortionists in violation of pro-life laws. Under Arizona's law, any abortionist who commits an abortion due to a prenatal genetic diagnosis, such as Down syndrome, could face prison time. Arkansas passed a law prohibiting abortionists from committing abortions unless the life of the mother is at risk from medical emergency. Those who violate the law could face a fine of up to $100,000 or 10 years in prison. Tennessee passed a law requiring that the bodies of preborn babies killed by abortion be either buried or cremated and the abortion business must pay for it. Despite the most pro-abortion presidential administration in history taking office in January, pro-life state laws continue to rise in number. And so the effort is being made across the country. Why is that important? It's important because we're showing that we're we're prepared for the day Roe v. Wade is overturned. Now, what do I mean by that? If Roe v. Wade is overturned, it moves back to the states. So as I've said on this show multiple times, liberal blue states are going to prepare for that day by allowing abortion on demand for any reason at any point in time. Red conservative states are going to go the other direction. They're going to put laws in place that would restrict abortion early in the pregnancy, in the middle of the pregnancy, at the end of the pregnancy. They're going to put laws in place, whether it be a trigger bill or or, or what it may be. And so that's why these things are important. And and the abortion lobby sees the writing on the wall. We have the case that's being looked at by the Supreme Court out of Mississippi. So a bill passed in Mississippi bans abortion at 15 weeks and the Supreme Court's looking at that case. Now we'll see what happens. Do they have uh, do we have the votes? But if that if that goes through, if the court decides with Mississippi then if it's okay at 15 weeks, it would be okay to restrict it at 10 weeks. That would be the argument because they would be setting a precedent. And so what's that going to look like? I don't know. But what I do know is these states that that are making moves and passing laws, they're preparing for that day. We've already seen places like New York and Illinois and Virginia and others that are going the other direction. Liberal states are doing it. Conservative states are doing it. And so we'll see what happens. But it is important that we that we are aware of what's happening. It's also important that we're aware that anyone, you know, when, when we talk about these laws and we talk about compromise, there's only one side that's compromising. And that's the pro-life side. 
I mean, you do understand that, right? Because every law, almost every law that's passed that would restrict abortion always leaves room for rape, incest, life of the mother. Now, those abortions make up less than 1% of all abortions, but they always leave room for that. So if anyone's compromising, it's the pro-life side. The, The abortion lobby is not compromising at all. They're not saying, you're right, we shouldn't allow third trimester abortion. They're not saying, you're right, taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for abortion. They're not saying, you're right, we need to do this or that. They're saying, we need abortion on demand for any reason at any point during the pregnancy. That is what they want. And they want you to pay for it. That's what they want. They're not bending from that. They're not changing from that. Anytime we try to say, hey, we think you should have an ultrasound before you get an abortion, they argue with it. If we say, we think you should have admitting privileges at the hospital close to you, they, they argue with it. Anytime we say, hey, you should, you should see the patient in person, not telemedicine, but in person before an abortion is, is, uh, agreed upon and occurs, they argue with it. Anytime we say, hey, you shouldn't just send abortion pills via the mail, they argue with it. Anytime we argue that, that women are at danger, that, that seven to 10% of the women that, that have, uh, uh, an abortion via pill still have to go to the emergency room to have an emergency DNC. Any, anytime we say that, they go, no, that doesn't happen. We're not, we're not going to budge from our position. You see, they're not compromising and they're celebrated for it. The pro-life side constantly compromises. And we're told that we hate people and we hate women. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. And so, so we have to stand firm. I want to see these incremental changes. I want to see the, the all out change, but, but it's going to take effort. It's also going to take conversations between politicians and people that are on the ground doing the work. Sometimes we do our work in, in, in our own silos and we don't contact or, or have conversations with each other. And then some laws get passed that aren't good. But hopefully that gave you an idea of what's happening around the country. It's important to know. Things are happening here in our state, but all over the country, uh, life, pro-life legislation is being passed and signed by governors. So we'll see what happens in the near future. We'll be back. So as the conversation continues, a lot of times we, we talk about the work that we're doing. And, and for some of us, it's like we're alone. And what what I mean by that is that, hey, no no one else is on our team. We're, we're struggling. We're kind of doing this this on our own. Last week, I had a meeting in, in Murfreesboro with close to 30 other pregnancy center directors in this state. We're not alone, folks. I mean, just in the state of Tennessee, we have uh, over 30 centers doing great work, probably closer to 40. And, and it covers all, all the state, west, middle, east, and everywhere in between, rural communities, cities, towns, suburbs. We, we we're doing the work. And, and it's not just our state. It's all over the country. It's, in fact, all over the world. Heartbeat International's worldwide directory of pregnancy help has surpassed 7,000 listings. 7,000. Heartbeat is the first network of pro-life pregnancy resource center founded in the U.S. 
and is the most extensive network in the world. With more than 2,900 affiliated pregnancy help locations in more than 60 countries around the world working to provide alternatives to abortion. Heartbeat's Worldwide Directory and Online Directory of Life Affirming Service Providers around the world is the leading comprehensive list of pregnancy help organizations. Heartbeat is observing its 50th anniversary and we celebrate with them. Heartbeat International publishes the Worldwide Directory each year to be the most complete list of life-affirming pregnancy help, including provider locations across the globe, whether Heartbeat affiliates, uh, affiliates or not, to connect those looking for help with those who provide help. Heartbeat has identified life-affirming programs in more than half of the countries of the world. And then uh, the, the directory to refer clients for help outside their own service area when needed or for specific help that they do not provide themselves, such as housing. They also use it to connect with other pregnancy help organizations for networking. Heartbeat International's 24-7 Pro-Life Contact Center option line uses this directory for referrals to centers outside the U.S. and Canada when requests for help are received. The directory has its origins with Heartbeat's founding and its value as a means of connecting pregnancy centers. Uh, and, and, and that's been a component in the pregnancy help movement's progress over 50 years. Heartbeat affiliates receive a complimentary print copy of the annual updated pregnancy help ministry reference. Heartbeat board chair and former president Peggy Hartshorn commented on the critical nature of the worldwide directory and enabled pregnancy help personnel to help save lives. This is what she said. It is crucial. For our pro-life mission that we find and make known every service provider anywhere in the world that offers life-affirming pregnancy help so every woman can have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby and never conclude that abortion is her only alternative. Um, Heartbeat's founders, who published the first directory in 1972, were really visionaries who saw that a directory of service locations was a key part of the essential safety net needed once abortion was unleashed on both women and children. The, the inaugural directory consisted of nearly 200 entries. And then as of July 16th, that number is 7,000. Hitting 7,000 entries in the worldwide directory is a great milestone for heartbeat. It's a great milestone for our country. It's a great milestone for the world. 7,000 pregnancy centers around the world serving women. Heartbeat President Jarrell Gotze remarked on the organization's founders' foresight in recognizing the need for a directory. He said this, Heartbeat's founders saw the missional need for a comprehensive list of pregnancy help. That goal was reached and continues to be fulfilled with the worldwide directory. The directory is a tool to connect those looking for help and those looking to help with local pregnancy help service providers. And so we see this over and over and over. The worldwide directory also has... 2,849 service locations in 113 other countries. Heartbeat International Vice President of Ministry Services, Betty McDowell, reflected on one of the ways she has seen the Worldwide Directory utilized. It is such a joy to me, this is what she said, when I hear from a pregnancy help organization leader who tells me how they use the directory to find a pregnancy help organization to visit while on vacation or a mission trip. And so this is a good thing. Over 7,000 pregnancy centers around the world. Again, we're not doing this work alone. And it's not just in the U.S. It's literally around the globe. Deeper still, the the post-abortive ministry right now is in Hawaii for two weeks working with a pregnancy center and working with post-abortive men and women. Look, the work is being done, folks. 
The effort is being made. And it's worth it. You see, abortion is not a an American problem. It's not a China problem. It's not a Korea problem. It's not a Europe problem. It's not an Australia problem. It's not a white problem or a black problem or an Asian problem. It's a global problem. And so damage is being done across the globe, not with law, not with just loss of life of unborn babies, but, but damage is being done to women, to men, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our cousins, to our brothers, to our sisters, to our, our parents. That's the damage that's being done. And so when we talk about a culture and a society that is, that is moving in, in a certain direction, and, and we look around us right now and we see the issues of our day, and, and we see that, that life is being devalued, one's got to wonder, the genesis of that devaluing, does it come from the way we treated unborn babies? We spent generations telling people that some life has more value than others. So we see that when there's a shooting. We see that when there's a rest. We see that when uh, when people are asked to make some adjustments because of a pandemic. We see that in traffic. We see that in selfish acts where we just believe some people have more value than others. We see that in racism. We see it in bullying. I mean, these are the things that we need to realize. Now, many folks don't want to talk about it because many of the folks that uh, that that are doing these things are pro-abortion. And so if they talk about it, that's going to create a problem for them. I don't know why people uh, think that they're better than other people. I don't know why racism exists. I don't know why fill in the blank. Well, well, we have people that say some lives mean more than others. So why are you surprised that, that your belief system in abortion, which says the life of mom is more valuable than baby, or my dreams are more valuable than my baby, or my convenience is more valuable than my baby. We, we created this mindset. So don't be surprised when we look around us and that mindset is is playing out in other spheres of our life. So it's not just about unborn. It's now about my neighbor. It's now about the guy that, that cut me off in traffic. I, I'm mad at him. He doesn't have as much value as me or my time. In a little bit, I'm going to talk about the Olympics and, and how one Olympic runner has been dealing with that because Nike pressured her after she had a baby. And what she's doing to say, no, I can have my baby and my dreams. I can actually have my baby and go to the Olympics. And she's proving the doubters wrong. And so it puts them in this weird scenario, this weird place where they're going, hold on, my abortion agenda is now conflicting with with the way I feel about Nike in this particular case. 
You see, all Nike did in that moment that we're going to talk about here in a second is just went with the narrative. The narrative says abortion allows you to fill your, fulfill your dreams. Having a baby is going to hurt that. Now, this runner proved them wrong, and now people are mad at Nike for simply saying the quiet part out loud. We'll be back and talk about that. So as we look at what's happening around the globe for life, and we look at the the cultural narrative that pushes an abortion agenda, that pushes, hey, your success, however we define it, is more important than having babies. Your success is 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 uh, means more. Then then we find ourselves and politicians talking about uh, maternity leave and. Uh, family leave and, and, and all of these things. And it's going, well, hold on. That doesn't fit with the abortion agenda. The abortion agenda says you can't have your baby in your dreams. You're going to have to pick one or the other. But then you make an argument that, that we need to do better when it comes to childcare. We need to do better when it comes to maternity leave and, and, and these things. And so which is it? Now I would agree we need to do better, better with childcare and maternity leave. I agree with that point. But you can't argue both those things at the same time. You just can't. It's the same thing. You you can't argue during the pandemic, hey, if we can save one life, it's worth it, and then argue for abortion on demand for any reason. That that doesn't make sense. It's hypocritical. Now, there's certainly folks on the right that's making some hypocritical arguments as well. But, But you can't make those two arguments simultaneously and and be uh, educated on the issue. It just doesn't work. And so now we look to what happened with the Olympic uh, medalist, Allison Felix. So Allison Felix is headed to Tokyo to participate in her fifth Olympics, but her first as a mom. And in the process, she's helping to provide childcare for other Olympian moms like her. In June, Live Action News reported that the nine-time Olympic medalist in track credited motherhood with helping her find her voice to advocate for athletes who are mothers. Despite her tremendous professional success, Felix's sponsor company, Nike, discriminated against her during pregnancy, even threatening her with a 70% pay cut. In response to criticism from athletes like Felix, Nike responded by creating more maternity-friendly policies, saying... Quote, we have learned and grown in how to best support our female athletes, end quote. Yet female athletic superstars, including Simone Biles, have still left Nike with Biles saying she wanted to work for a company that allowed her to be a voice for other women. Far from holding her back, Felix said becoming a mother has made her a better athlete and advocate. She commented in an interview, quote, becoming a mom, it shifted my focus to thinking about this world that my daughter will grow up in. I don't want her to have the same battle. Motherhood gave me that final bit of push that I needed and helped me find my voice so that I could speak on these very important issues, end quote. That advocacy led Felix to recently partner with both her sponsor company, Athleta, and the Women's Sports Foundation to create the Power of She Fund, Child Care Grants. According to the fund's website, with the Child Care Grant, uh, Athleta and WSF continue their work to support individuals and communities of women to reach their limitless potential by providing resources that enable mom athletes to compete without barriers. 
The expense of childcare is one of the main obstacles facing mom athletes who want to stay in the game while raising a family. Our shared belief is that athletes should not have to choose between competition and motherhood. They should not have to choose between their dreams and being a mom. That is pro-life, folks. Felix herself is quoted as saying, quote, as a mom and an athlete, I know firsthand the obstacles that women face. I wanted to work with Athleta and the Women's Sports Foundation to take an important step in supporting female athletes as a whole, people, both on and off the field, by offering financial child care support to mom athletes headed to Tokyo. The fund will disperse $200,000 in grant money in 2021 to cover child care costs for qualified female athletes, many of whom do not have any significant corporate sponsorship with $10,000 allotted to each recipient. Nine of the recipients have already been chosen, and they include Gwen Berry, an Olympic hammer thrower, Olympic saber fencer Marielle Zagunis, and Paralympic volleyball player Lara Laura Webster. Webster told Fast Company, it's not an exaggeration to say that the grant is life-changing. It's not just the money, it's that big companies are now beginning to understand what the struggle really is for mom athletes. It sends the message to all female athletes that we don't have to choose between motherhood and our sport. We can do both. We don't have to choose between our dreams and being a mom. Folks, that is our messaging. That is our messaging. And so what what is happening right now is the cultural narrative on abortion. That's why Nike did what they did. Nike did the, did what they did to Felix because they thought, well, I mean, this is in line with what the culture says. She can't have her baby in her dream. She can't be an Olympic Olympian and be a mom. So when Nike backed out of the agreement, it was like, well, we're not going to get pushed back because we're just falling in line with the narrative of the day. The abortion narrative of the day is you can't have your baby and your dreams. You can't be a mom and a superstar Olympian athlete. You can't do both. You have to pick. And Felix picked to be a mom. Now what Felix did is, is showed that, no, I can, I can do both. And she went, she went further and said, you know what, I'm a better athlete now that I'm a mom. And so Nike then starts backpedaling. Well, well, we, you know, we've seen the error of our ways. We're gonna, we're gonna put policies in place that celebrate motherhood. Now why did they do that? They did that because financially it's starting to hurt them. But Simone Biles, the, the most popular Olympian, Olympian in the world in gymnastics, Back pulled away from Nike because she wants to have a voice and she doesn't feel like she can have that voice if she's with Nike. Folks, this narrative is important. So what's going to be interesting is you'll, you'll see a lot of folks come up and, and support Felix and her dispute with Nike. And they'll support her, her fund to help with child care for moms. And then they'll turn around and support Planned Parenthood. Then they'll turn around and support the abortion lobby. You can't have it both ways. You can't look at some women and say, you you can't have your baby in your dreams. You don't have to be an Olympian. Maybe your dreams is being a nurse. Maybe your dream is owning your own business. Maybe your dream is being an engineer. Maybe your dream is being a journalist. Maybe your dream is... Is owning a Chick-fil-A. I, I don't know what your dream is, 
Maybe it's just simply getting a degree. Maybe it's becoming an attorney. Maybe it's fill in the blank. But but the abortion lobby will look at you and say, you can't have both of those. Yet they they get in line and support Felix in her dispute with Nike. Well, how do you do that? So we need to be celebrating this story so that women across our country and around the world can see you can do both. You know what? And for some, maybe your dream is being a mom. You know, I wanted to be a dad for a long time. That was a dream of mine. Now I get to live that dream out. But for men, at times, it's easier to to be the dad and, and climb that corporate ladder. Well, I have three daughters. You think I'm going to look them in the eye and say, honey, you, you can't have both. Can't have your baby and your dreams. You're going to have to pick. Of course not. And so I love seeing this story where you have an Olympian that, that is saying, I can do both. And you know what? I'm not going to just stop there. I'm going to be vocal about it. I'm going to provide child care. I'm going to help raise funds to provide child care for other uh, Olympians. I mean, that's awesome. That's the message we need to be telling the world. But the problem is that message at times falls on deaf, ear, deaf ears because we push the abortion agenda. And so when we push the abortion agenda, the rest of the world is looking at us and going, you, you say you care, but... Your laws don't say that. Your rhetoric doesn't say that. Yet here we are. So I hope that this narrative, I hope that this story gets picked up globally. That moms would be celebrated. That moms would be told you can do both. You can have both. Now for some, that uh, being an Olympian is, is nowhere on the radar and that's impossible. But still the message remains that you can't have your baby and your dreams. You can have both of those. And I'm glad Nike backpedaled on this. Because they were wrong. This happens far too often. We fall into the narrative of, of well, you, you know, you're not going to be as good of an employee if you're pregnant. You have people actually say, I'm not going to hire women that are in their reproductive years because they're just pull, they'll just hold us back. In the workplace, like that, that's not a message we need to put forward. The message we need to put forward is we're going to be here for these moms. We're going to celebrate with these moms. One thing the last 18 months have showed us is that a lot of people can work from home, which would make it easier for moms and for dads. So there's still work to be done, but this message, this, this narrative, and this story is an important one. It's important because we're, it, it's making a difference. And so, you know, people say, well, when when uh, Vice President Harris became the first female vice president, you know, that, that they, they sat with their daughters and they cried and they wept and they st- said how awesome that is. Yeah, that that's all well and good. But what's the, what's the greater message saying? So now when I watch the Olympics, I can, I can look at my daughters and go, look, I don't know if you'll ever be an Olympian. Probably not. 
But look what this woman is doing as a mom and as a great athlete. You can juggle both. And it's worth the effort. That's a message that will stick. That's a message that deserves to be heard. And I'm glad it is being heard by millions around the world. We'll be back. So as we finish up today, you know, I think it's important that we we realize what's happening uh, with the Olympic story, with things that are happening around the world and around our country. Uh, we, we need to be aware of these stories. These are great stories to share. Look, this isn't uh, a conservative versus liberal, pro-life versus pro-choice. This is a, simply a woman going, hey, Nike didn't support me. And, and here's why they didn't support me. And it's simply because I wanted to have a baby. Now, now I see that as a pro-life, pro-choice argument. But in this case, for them, it's just a, I wanted to have a baby and Nike didn't support me. And so, so we need to understand, we need to understand why these stories are important. And, and so as we, as we do that, we need to share these messages. And messages matter. Pro-life messages matter. Now you can, you can tag them as pro-life messages or just simply say, look, this is a, a message that matters that, that celebrates a mom and her child and, and her abilities to, to chase after her dreams. And she has a support system that's helping her do that. And, and all of that needs to be celebrated. And it's okay to celebrate that. And, and frankly, we have a lot to celebrate. I mean, there's work being done. Like I said, I had that meeting last week with directors across the state. There's work being done all over the state. And, and I looked at all of the directors last week, and, and we were talking about pros and cons coming out of the pandemic and during the pandemic. And, and every one of them had more pros than cons. They were able to still serve. Their donors stepped up. They're stronger today than they were 12 months ago. You see, there's great work being done. And at times, because of social media, because of cable news, we're just the woe is me, the sky is falling group of people. And if you're listening today and you're a Christian, look, our, our posture should not be one of a woe is me, the sky is falling people. It shouldn't be. I mean, the Lord is moving in a number of different ways inside of our churches, outside of our churches, in pregnancy centers, around the country, around the world. There's still people hurting in our communities on a number of fronts. So we're dealing with loneliness at its highest level ever. Suicide rates, high. Uh, Drug addiction, high. All of these problems, unemployment, race issues, all of these things that are going on. If you are the woe is me, the sky is falling Christian, where are these people going to go for for help? Where are they going to go for hope? If if everywhere they look, everybody is woe is me, the sky is falling. If the church is the woe is me, the sky is falling church, they're not going to come to you. They're not going to come to you to look for help and assistance. We had a guy walk in the other day at Hope off the street. He's homeless. 
just in a, in a bad place. And, and when we got help to get there to, to, to help him and, and get him, uh, in a, in a safe area, they asked him, you know, what are you looking for? What are you doing? And, and he said, I want what they're selling at this place. And we thought that was weird because we don't really sell anything. But then he pointed at our sign on the wall that said hope. And he said, I want that. I want what they're selling. I want hope. You see, if you're the, if you're the woe is me, sky is falling, people aren't coming to you to hear the good news. If you're the negative Nancy of the group all the time, people aren't coming to you to hear the good news. If all you do is complain about politicians, people aren't coming to you for the good news. If all you do is complain about your church, people aren't coming to you for the good news. Sure, we have problems in our in our world that we need to address. But we can address those without being the the woe is me skies falling people. Because we have the good news. We know how it ends. Regardless of Supreme Court decisions, regardless of legislation, we know how it ends. And that's something to celebrate. Sure, we stand and we fight in the times that, that are tough and, and when things are happening around us. But but don't ever become that negative, bitter person. Because in the moments where people need you the most, they're not going to come to you because all you have to give is negative and bitterness. Let's make an effort. It's worth it. Celebrate that today. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.